Margo and I'm John Lynn, the founder and chief editor of Healthcare IT Today, and we're excited to bring you another episode in our CIO podcast. We know your job is challenging, and we want to help you be more successful. And we're here at the Health 2022 conference, and our guest today is Dr. Ami Bhatt. She is the chief innovation officer at the American College of Cardiology. Welcome, Ami. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm excited for this discussion, but before we dive in, tell us a little bit about yourself and the American College of Cardiology. Yeah, so um, maybe I'll just start with me, um, cardiologist by training, and uh, I practiced at the Mass General Hospital um, for the past 15 years and took care of adults with congenital heart disease, people who were young and then grew up. And it was a field that didn't really exist when I started. Wow. So one that we really kind of built collectively, a whole group of us throughout the world over the past you know, 10 years. And uh, they were young. And so being young, they wanted to do digital health and they wanted to try telemedicine long before everybody else did. That's so cool. really, I, I, I thank my patients for introducing me to innovation and uh, thinking about how do we do things differently for our patients. That's really cool. I mean, I, I, I think it's interesting how patients are driving it for you. That's that's somewhat unique. Uh, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And then for the, for the ACC, um, we're a member organization, so we have 54,000 cardiovascular um, physicians, nurses, allied health professionals, administrators um, who we serve. Um, and that's uh, both here in the United States, but also globally. A third of our um, constituency is global. Um, and the innovation program started about seven years ago. The thought was the digital transformation of healthcare is coming. And we really want to make sure our members are ready for it so that our patients can benefit from it. Um, and so uh, that's when that first started. And I joined them about a year ago um, after I really led a uh, um, all sorts of great innovative efforts through COVID and, and you know, especially with telemedicine and digital health, but also realized what a large ecosystem there is and how we really need to break down silos between academics and medical societies um, and all the other people who are doing great work. And so, you know, that's uh, that's why I'm here today. That's awesome. Well, I think it's interesting, you, you, you know, we're here at Health where there's all this innovation, but I'd love to hear from you. What are some of the keys to health tech innovation right now, making a real difference rather than just talking at a conference? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think the first is what we call our North Star, which is, getting, I'm just going to say cardiovascular disease, but this is true for really any medicine, yeah. right? So, but high quality cardiovascular care into the communities where people live. So access, right? Mm -hmm. And the only way to really achieve that today is to be able to use digital technologies to reach those patients and reach them at a population level. So I think that's the first thing that we're all driving for. I think the second is we're really starting to think about all the data we have. There are so many data streams. But if you just think about the average clinician, if we're sitting in our office for 20 minutes and the people who are taking care of patients have guidelines they need to know, new data that's come out since then but hasn't made it to the guidelines, understanding the patient, what's happened to them, looking at all their labs, maybe even their wearables that they're bringing in and giving to you, right? How does one person in 20 minutes look up all that data, understand it, and then use it to the patient's benefit? And so I think that's one place where I really start to think about how do we process data and how do we now collaborate using technology with our clinicians to let them use their clinical acumen yeah. rather than their administrative skills, right? And I think that's a really important part. And then the third I'd say is, and we'll probably lead into this, but I think we need to think about education and innovation mm -hmm. and how we're innovating okay. for that. And on the tech side, one of those areas that we're interested in is uh, we've always been interested in simulation at the ACC. The education mm -hmm. leads a great simulation program, but now really adding virtual reality training because procedures are increasing at such a pace 
but we really have a cardiovascular workforce shortage, which means a training shortage in people who are expert to train those who are new. So how can we really get people to have more procedures under their belt? And virtual reality is one area that we're excited to explore. Yeah, yeah, we'll definitely talk about that. I think it's interesting, the point of access though. For patients, it's like, well, is telehealth perfect? No, but if, if their choice is I'm not going to a doctor, I'm getting telehealth, then it's great, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like EHR data, is it perfect? No, but at least now we have data to start doing it and figuring it out. And You're exactly it. right, and then we iterate on it. We try exactly. and make it better, and different people need to use what we call blended medicine in different ways. Some things, things need to be in person. Sometimes they need to be virtual phone or video. Sometimes you just need to measure things and be able to highlight when someone's getting sicker rather than do episodic care. Right. Seeing someone twice a year is probably not the best way to manage blood pressure, right? So <laughs> those are the kind of things we're really working on. Yeah, I mean, I think we know that that's not true. I think anyway, reimbursement's another topic for another day. That's but. true. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the technology you know, that you look at, are there some that you're bearish on? You're like, no, nah, forget about it. Or some that you're kind of bullish on. You're like, yeah, I think these have a lot of potential. Yeah. So uh, what I am, what I think we need to work on is not specific what I call bioperipherals, right? Okay. So it's not that the technologies that are out there aren't going to be helpful when they're implemented. It's that if we have 16 different technologies that could help us as a clinical team take care of our patients, and each has their own dashboard, and now we have 16 screens up in different places, it's not going to actually be sustainable or scalable. And so what I really think we need help with is how are we gonna to start to really coordinate and bring a lot of these technologies together? And I do think at the end of the day, we need to accept, and, and this is hard, right? When you're a founder or an entrepreneur and you have your own tech, to say the way I'm gonna succeed is through collaboration, is through plugging in, and I don't mean just plugging in through an EHR. I think that we need holistic systems of caring for patients, and that's not just cardiology, but at least within cardiology, we should start and say, here are all the parameters we need, let's bring them together. But I think, you know, when we have too many dashboards, it's hard to have enough insight. Yeah. And so, you know, that's one of those things that we are really working on. So, so that's an area that needs improvement, I'll say, rather than okay. bullish or bearish. Yeah, like yeah. That's an area where we <laughs> have a lot of RPM and bioperipherals, but the separate dashboards aren't working. We need a better system. Um, the area I think we're really growing in is the data analytics and the AI. We like to call it collaborative intelligence. You know, the word artifice means deceit. So you say deceitful intelligence and you wonder why people don't trust you, right? So the phrase we use is collaborative intelligence. And the idea is we're responsible for the data that's gonna go into whatever those computer analytics are. And then we're responsible for interpreting that, the clinical acumen that it takes to understand what is this telling me. And so it's really an adjunct to the kind of care we're giving. But it's not that computers are smarter than us, right? The intelligence is ours. What is important is that computing power is something that the human brain cannot do in that 20-minute clinic visit we were talking about. And so I think that's really an area that is going to grow. And it'll probably grow kind of on the back end first. It'll grow in places where we can get it into workflow easily without having to ask clinicians to do too much change. Eventually, clinical decision support, when we get the trials and the studies right, is probably where we'll end up. Yeah, that's true. It's funny you say that because 15 years ago, a guy came to me and he said, I 
think the body of medical knowledge is so vast that the human brain can't comprehend it. And that was 15 years ago, yep. right? Like, yep. let alone like medical knowledge is one thing. The other is the data about the individual. And so yes. to your point, like we as humans are incredible, but yep. you still can't do it at all. Yep. No, it's true. You know, one thing that comes up a lot is if you are using computers, are you distancing yourself from your patients? This comes up a lot. And so I, I like to address it head on sometimes. Uh -huh. Um, which is two things. One is, again, episodic care is not a relationship. In fact, continuous care by a team is probably more of a relationship. Your patient feels they have better access to you. So you have to remember that, right? Using some of the digital technology is important. The second is there are times where even though I, I love the Norman Rockwell concept of sitting with a patient holding their hand, there are times where that's not in the patient's best interest, right? Hourly wage worker or driving 400 miles to see me when perhaps that sitting for 15 minutes together is not what they need. For others it is, but perhaps that's also loneliness and other things that drive people to come in. Sometimes it's understanding and comprehension that we're working on in digital health. It can be better done in person. Um, but a lot of the time, if you really ask, you know, patients what is the best experience for you uh -huh. it's not what we historically think of as clinicians and that's a little hard for us yeah. it's a little hard for us to comprehend so yeah there's a culture change to, yeah. to some degree right yeah. <laughs> so uh, you mentioned virtual reality you know ACC announced a partnership with also VR so talk about that partnership how does it work what, what goes into it yeah so uh, what we do at ACC innovation is we really co-develop with companies so the idea is to take companies who are out there doing well, who have great technology, who could make a change in the cardiovascular space and use the strength of our expert membership and our ability to really understand what implementation looks like to then partner with them. And so OSO started in orthopedics, has really proven with their studies and with their data, the utility of good virtual reality training as an adjunct to, not to replace in-person training. For us in the cardiovascular intervention space, that's an area that's really burgeoning Patients are really looking for more of this technology, but we have a cardiovascular workforce shortage, and as you know, we have burnout, so maybe more people leaving. And one thing we're really trying to work on is then, how do you get enough procedures under people's belts to make them really feel proficient. And so what we're studying is, first of all, can we create the environment and make an environment that people are comfortable in? I've been in some of these test environments. I have to tell you, I'm a, I'm a tough judge of these things and I've been impressed. So, but the second is, then what do we do with that? How do we teach within the environment? Um, how do you measure within the environment? You know. Hey, John, I noticed at step seven, you always have this nine-second lag. What are you thinking there? What's happening? What do you not understand? I don't know that when you and I are in a cath lab together, but if we review and watch how you're doing things, we can pick up on those things. Yeah. So really improve the proficiency. And then well, most and of you could know how that was across other doctors. Like, no one else okay. is, but you are. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But that's it, so we can compare to others. I think comparing to yourself is the most important thing moving forward. Um, but I also think globally, we really have to, cardiovascular disease burden is not just a United States problem, right? Yeah. And if we think about access to procedures globally, what they don't have is training sometimes. Sometimes it's supplies, but many times it's training. Imagine if 5,000 miles away, 7,000 miles away, we have an expert catheterizer in a virtual space with someone in East Africa, right? Uh, Who's trying to, do, and so yeah. that's the eventual goal. But for now, the first is let's build it. 
let's test it um, and then let's see what's happening. So the first module, our goal is to do within the next 12 months. And, you know, just have something to start to iterate on and get people comfortable with and, and learn, learn what the next steps look like. Yeah, I think that's interesting. But how, how do you think doctors are going to react to virtual reality? Uh, you know, we talked about the cultural <laughs> experience yeah. and change of virtual reality is a big change. So how do you think they'll react to it? Yeah, I think um, I think there's three ways to think about it. So the first is we are, in fact, a very digital gaming oriented world, especially here in the U.S., but, you know, throughout the globe. So so it's not novel that these things exist to people anymore. It used to be novel. And simulation has existed in medicine, you know, for many years now. So it's taking it one step further. Um, I think the second part is if you ask the people who are doing these procedures, anything that lets you practice, get your hands on things, get more proficient, or have an expert in the room with you, why wouldn't I want that? In fact, that's what I love to do. That's my bread and butter, right? As, as a cardiologist who's an interventionist, those people say, that's what I love to do. And in fact, that might reduce burnout, right? There's some satisfaction in getting to do what you love and train sure. that way. So I think that's number two. And then the third is, how do you democratize that access? So we got to make sure that people can actually get their hands on this. And so there is always a role for partnerships. There's a role for making sure that we're looking at the areas that are low and middle income countries, low SES areas, and that we're addressing the ability to train people there. Um, one important part of that is OSO does not have its own specific technology. It can just use the existing headsets that are out there. So that's step one. Um, but yes, the third part, and this is what I'm learning at Health too, is you have cardiovascular societies like us. You have a great technology that's willing to work with us, iterate and understand that leading our members and helping them to help the patients is what their goal is. And then eventually we're really going to need to also think about, you know, the nonprofits or the VCs or whoever else is out there who's willing to say, we're going to go into those lower income countries and we're going to help you help them. Right. So there's got to be an influx of generosity that also comes as we grow. And so I think there's a there's a triad there that needs to happen. Wow. That's really interesting. So you also mentioned burnout, which, yep. you know, hottest topic uh, between workforce, revenue, burnout, right? It's all, it's, all, it's all in there is the hottest topics here. But, you know, we know it's at an all-time high. We know it, all of us are burnt out, not even just doctors. So what is your organization doing to address it? Yeah. So we have um, several pillars that we really stand upon. And one of the most important things for us is, is really our members and how can we best support them. And so one is actually thinking about their wellness right so their mental health their wellness um, be able to have support systems but the other is the administrative burden is really blamed as a, a, a major source of burnout and so when we think about that that's where we come back to these technologies especially the ones they're talking about with data analytics and backend stuff right is a lot of the clicks that we're doing in the back how do we take some of that administrative work and just get it done and automated such that the clinicians can work now on top of that automated platform. And so I think really addressing administrative burnout is extraordinarily important for us. Separate from what I do in innovation, we also know that working with other industries is important. And one of those things is things like prior authorizations. So there's a group at the American College of Cardiology, you know, that is also working our advocacy group works to advocate, you know, on the Hill and thinking about this and joins with other member organizations. So um, there's a lot going around the entire ACC that really thinks about it. And then lastly is education. And that's how we started. So it's last, but it's first, right? Which is how do we make sure that everybody is able to use their adult learning skills 
to learn the way that is best for them, right? Not everybody wants a textbook, right? Learn in the way that's best for them and give them actionable knowledge to really be able to take what they're learning and then use it and feel that translation. And I think um, those are some of the ways that member value is really important to us and we hope that that's what's going to help us prevent burnout. Yeah, awesome. Well, we always like to wrap up the CIO podcast with a little career advice, experience. What do you say is like the best piece of career advice that you've gotten? I think you have to... When you're young, you're taking those steps and you're moving forward in a path that is laid out for you. Uh I think you have to be willing to look up and say, what are the other opportunities here, right? And how do I incorporate them into what I'm doing? You have to be willing to blaze your own path. For many years, we call it internship for a reason, right? You would just follow the person ahead of you. And I think the way the healthcare world is now, there are so many opportunities to take what your passion is and infuse that into your clinical practice. Um, it's true for founders, entrepreneurs as well, right? What is your passion? How do you drive it? But then look up and see what the opportunities are, see who you can collaborate with. So this is not a one-man show, um, and it really never will be again. And so I think collaboration is everything. Find your strength, stay focused on it, and then learn how to work with others. And if you can continually do that, you can reinvent yourself again and again and really enjoy the practice of medicine in whichever flavor you're doing it. So. I think that's good advice because even if you look up and maybe try something, you may even discover that what you were doing is what you love, but at least then you're more intentional about it rather than wondering, is it greener on the other side? You got it. <laughs> I think that's exactly, you spe- it sounds like you're speaking from experience, my friend. <laughs> I've been on a lot of places. <laughs> well, Ami, this is awesome. I appreciate you taking the time to share your insights and perspectives. And thanks everyone for watching and listening. If you want to find more great healthcare IT content like this, be sure to check it out at healthcareitdata.com or search for the CIO podcast by Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application. Thanks, Ami. Thanks so much for having me.